טוב? No, so I'll log in in the middle. Just if you can open the video. All right. So today we're back on a fairly interesting topic we've discussed before. So a few months ago, you may still uh, have a bit of a recollection that uh, the Yingalites and the Kailal and beyond were storming about the topic of the guidance that's given to Hassanim, to Yingalites, that whole topic. And due to the fact that it was uh, a major topic at the time, so I felt the need to address, to discuss in a public venue, and to give my humble contribution to this topic, to, to clarifying, to getting additional clarity on this uh, sensitive and very personal type of topic. Uh, the general reaction at the time seemed to be fairly positive. I got uh, some positive feedback at the time and uh, definitely seemed to be very much of interest. And without it being posted anywhere, as far as I know, um, I can tell you that uh, there were many hundreds of hours of, of watch time. So it seems to be filling some kind of need, or however you'd like to put it, it seemed like a topic that uh, its time had come to be discussed in some form in public. Now in the days and weeks that followed, so I came across, uh, as one tends to do, I came across additional material, additional sources and discussions that touched on the matters that were discussed. I also received a small number of Feed, uh, responses, feedback that Taka touched a bit on the Teichen, that touched on some of the points that were discussed. At the time, though, I wasn't consciously trying to accumulate and assemble more material for a follow-up. It was just continued discussion, Shaktavataria, afterwards. But in addition to all of that, in the months that followed, continued thinking on and off about particularly the uh, perspective of Chassidus, what Chassidus has to say on these topics, and a number of points from a slightly different perspective uh, sort of came clearer to me. Until the last month or two, I started thinking to myself that, hey, you know what, maybe Itaka is Kedai to touch again on this, on this topic, on the subject, and uh, do a continuation. I just want to clarify the many disclaimers that uh, go here before we continue that I'm aware that there is no particular uh, background, no particular trigger at this time for returning to this topic. No one, uh, no one was discussing it, no one was asking and I actually do genuinely feel a little less comfortable with uh, just unprompted getting back on this topic. I even felt, I could say, a bit of a conflict while I was preparing, going through the preparation for discussing this. Made it made the process a little more difficult. I hope it doesn't uh, make you too, feel too uncomfortable. Um, but my uh, reasoning is, is that if 
seemed to be a fairly large consensus among many that there was a tayalis, there was a benefit at the time speaking about this then by the way of course there were others that I'm sure were of the opinion that it's not really a, a matter that's for public consumption to be aired out in this fashion so as a Maimar Musker I just want to point out uh, parenthetically if you look in the Akdama to the Sefer we have Piske Ber Moshe which is from the Mamali Makam, the successors of the Debritziner who collected his Psakim uh, on Hilchas Nida, etc. So they actually mention in the Hakdama or the introductory material that he pioneered giving Shiurim in Hilchas Nida, Pasha, in regular Hilchas Taras HaMeshpacha, he pioneered giving these types of Shiurim in public. And at the time it was considered a novelty. And up until then it had not really been uh, acceptable. And he felt, for his reasons, that this is uh, necessary. And uh, I, I think it's fair to say that subsequently it's pretty much caught on, it's pretty much been normalized and mainstreamed in many places, including in our community. So I would suggest that uh, perhaps we can make a, a comparison, we can equate this, these matters, which are considered even a bit more sensitive, to that, and in particularly in light particularly in light of the fact that, as I want to get to, uh, I remind myself after the last uh, discussion, and in fact, the Rebbe essentially brought this topic up in public, in Sichas and Fabrengens, a number of times over the years, obviously in the Rebbe's signin, but that's one of the things that I want to get to, Mirza Hashem. So it is something the Rebbe kept alive and raised unprompted a number of times in public. At any rate, whatever your opinion on that question is, we obviously can't just go back and forth on it endlessly. For those who agreed and accepted that it was a good idea to talk about it last time, so Mestama can't hurt to continue to add additional information, additional details, additional perspective and in particular, in the light of the fact that I said that I actually want to present a slightly different perspective from Chassidus itself. And another thing to, another disclaimer, another thing to emphasize, as I emphasized last time, that this is not about uh, mixing in, as we say, uh, intervening in people's lives, telling people what to do. Not here to paskin, quote-unquote, this is good, this is bad. Saif Kol Saif, we know that within Yiddishkeit, within Halacha, there's a large range of opinion. Like we mentioned, we'll mention again, the Rambam, of course, most famously. On the other hand, though, it's generally accepted, the, the standard generally is, is that when one speaks in public uh, about shittas and ashkafas, so we generally strive to remain as loyal as we can to the spirit of what the Rebbeim taught, what Chassidah says, what Chabad believes, to stick to those Makairis. That doesn't mean that many, a large portion of us, including people present here, ourselves, whether matters big or small, doesn't mean we always live up to those standards, to those expectations. But Poyal Mamash. So there's always going to be a bit of a gap between the ideal and what's happening in reality. 
And it's also, it could also be true that by only emphasizing the more extreme words that are on the books, could cause harm, it could cause damage to people that misapply it and can cause people, uh, people's lives to be distressed. So it's very possible that those that are more intimately involved in what's going on on an individual level will feel the need to address that in public and to provide other opinions, other perspectives, but I still believe that it's very important Nish design Gnarts. When it comes to what our Makaitas say, what Chassidah says, if you have other reasons, you have reasons to provide other opinions, other perspective, in addition to Chassidah, that's fair. You can make your case, you can make your argument, and we can evaluate it. But let's at least be honest about what the different Makaitas say and why we're choosing what we're choosing. Everything has its proper place. So this is all just to establish, for the record, what Shittas Chabad is, what the classic Chassidosh Hashkafa is, and then the discussion can continue from there in a sensitive, serious fashion as to what that means practically uh, on a day-to-day basis. So getting, uh, getting to the actual substance here, so on the previous occasion, the two main points, two main categories that were discussed so number one was what I called Balash Nekiah meaning certain things that are Asr, certain things that are Mutter. And additionally, there was perhaps an equally big question or a bigger question as to what's the Hashkafa, what's the person's mindset, where a person's mind is supposed to be, according to Chassidus. So really, what I really wanted to elaborate on on this occasion was the second point. Like I said. But there is one point that we wanted to add regarding the first topic. So we're going to start with that, and then we can go move on from there. Just based on the amount of preparation and the amount of time we're working with, we're going to end up disproportionately focusing on that first, and hopefully, Bezaz Hashem, there will have to be a hemshech to the hemshech. So getting back to Simnir Shemem. So the way I presented things then, back then. So I said, look, we know, everyone knows this is the sheet of the Rambam. The Rambam essentially, straight out, goes on the record and says, he can do. But the presentation took the Shulchan Aruch, what Shulchan Aruch, the Mechaber writes, and Shulchan Aruch and Simonei Shemem, and sort of built to, based the discussion on that. And that so making the argument that that's what we consider to be mechaev. That's the, that's the main standard that's become ungenomen to follow, at least officially, at least uh, publicly. And of course, there may, there may always be others that want to argue that they personally want to follow other shittas or they want to fartaich the Shulchan Aruch itself. This is all what we discussed at the time. There was one point that I heard afterwards from one or two people. I think there's even someone who uh, wrote a comment on the YouTube video a few months later that, uh, what about the Ramah? You didn't mention that there's a Ramah in Evan Ezra. You're focusing the whole time on the Mechaber and Eir Chaim Simen There's enough in the Ramah, seemingly. To the contrary, in Evan Ezra, Simen Chafei, because Simen Chafei and Simen 
have a lot of overlap. They uh, deal with a lot of similar things, but there also are differences. That itself is a topic people like to discuss. One of the things you see in Evan Ezra, Simon Chafei, is that in Sif Beis, in the Machaber writes, etc. They shouldn't be talking about other things, etc. Then there's Ramah. Ramah has a Hagah. Ramah writes as follows, I'll quote, that's the lashon of the Ramah. So the argument is that seems to seems to transpire. It turns out seemingly that the Ramah has the identical position as the Rambam. So if, you're, if we're purporting to speak in the name of Shulchan Aruch, so actually both opinions, both positions have equal representation in Shulchan Aruch. And if anything, the Ramah is the Pesach for Ashkenaz. He he agrees with the Rambam. So my response at the time, and now I'll discuss it here directly, my response was, is, that I was certainly aware for quite many, quite a number of years about this Ramah's existence, certainly long before this year. But just on a practical uh, level, I mean, I'll explain in a moment why I didn't think it was directly relevant to my presentation. And on a practical level, uh, when you're delivering a shear, when you're preparing to deliver a shear, you have to make editorial decisions as to what you're going to include and what you don't have time to get into. You want things to, you want things to present themselves fairly clearly. You don't want to have a lot of ins and outs and backs and forths, especially considering this is only one detail of many within a shear. So it's, not, it's never possible to get into every shock of attire and every possible question, every possible answer. That was why I didn't end up mentioning it. But if you want to know what's, with, what's the story with the Ramah? So if you take the words of the Rambam and the Ramah at face value, just take those, those words. So it, those words themselves are not in fact, don't seem to be directly addressing this particular topic that we were discussing. The particular topic we were discussing was what the Shulchan Aruch calls Derech Azos, and is it Aser, or is Isser the wrong words? The, that particular concept is not addressed directly in these words. So why did I say that the Rambam holds that these, all of these things are okay? Because in the Rambam, in the context of the Rambam, if you read everything he has to say on the topic, it's strongly implied and understood from the entirety of what he says. Why? Because the Rambam doesn't mention any of these other chashashas at all. doesn't say it's good, doesn't say it's bad. So essentially he's mashmit, he omits this entire sugya. So when he omits, when he leaves all those things out, then he says, So it's understood that literally everything of any type is fine with the Ramah. When it comes to the Ramah, we can make a different argument. We can say that the Ramah, within this particular context in Shulchan Aruch, even though he's using the same words, but those words themselves, and in this particular context, 
should only be understood to be referring to the things that he actually mentions outright. What are those things that he mentions outright? And the introduction, is more of a hakdama to the things he's about to elaborate. But there is no direct discussion here, there is no direct acknowledgement here of these other things, which in this case were spelled out explicitly by the Mechaber and other Seifim, not the thing we're talking about, but other things are elaborated upon by the Mechaber and other Seifim and Simchafei, as well as the things that are discussed in other Simanim, Simanim, and which the Ramah did not comment on. And this is typical, I would say, for the Ramah, that often the Ramah uses language that came from earlier sources, but doesn't always necessarily mean that he has the identical position with those earlier sources. It might change a word, or depending on the context, you might understand that he's applying it in a more specific way. So again, Mele, talking about the Rambam, he never mentioned it at all. And also if you think about it, these types of things, the Gemara being chayshish and saying this is going to cause that and that's going to cause that, it doesn't seem like something that Rambam is very much into anyway. Mashaink and the Ramah would say the Ramah might be chayshish for things that are described as a sakana. And the Ramah is only coming to make a more narrow point that what right the husband has to, to his wife or what's mutter asr from Kedusha uh, inyanim, not sakana inyanim. Of course, this is something that one can debate further. But my point is, is that it's far less obvious and understood and implied from the Ramah the way it is from the Ramah. So you can't just uh, trot out the Ramah as if the Ramah is clearly on the record saying something specifically directly to this point. Another, another argument Another point, maybe more importantly, is that it's not just me that's making this uh, claim. Although I'm representing myself when I, that's how I would read the Ramah myself if you asked me. But it's not just me. You can look at the Achreinim that touch on these matters between the, the, the time that elapsed between the Ramah and this day and age. Right? We're, not, we're not living in a vacuum here. Uh, it's not like we have to rediscover the Shulchan Aruch and reinterpret the Shulchan Aruch anew. There's a uh, few hundred years of precedent in between. So perhaps there's uh, a clue to be found there. And as far, to date, I have not yet seen any Norud Dachreinim that explicitly or in any way interpret the Ramah in the way that the people making this argument one interpreted Ramah. That, in other words, that the Ramah is in this Seif, Seif based in Simil Chavay, when there are many, many other Seifim, etc. To come and say that the Ramah actually, this is his disclaimer, and he's really disagreeing with the Machaber in every single Prat, everything the Machaber said, this is not something I have seen Achreinim come straight out and say. As if, like, okay, now uh, every single point, Machaber says this, Ramah says that, Machaber says this, Ramah says that, we should uh, give the Ramah preference because Ashkenaz. No, when the Achreinim deal with the Yonim and Simonesh, ma'am, I haven't seen anyone say, oh, but the Ramah and Simchafei says that uh, none of this is applicable. Uh, last time we got a little bit into Derech Azaz, quoted the Chida, quoted the Marsham, and how they discussed it. 
didn't notice that any of them said, oh, but this whole discussion is uh, irrelevant because there's That's not the tone that I've seen in the Svarim that discussed this on the record. that this is Derech Masha'enke, when it comes to Shalaika Darka, which one might have thought should be, tr- should be treated more severely, perhaps. Uh, I don't know if anybody's thought about it, but you know, maybe Shalaika seems more uh, severe of a, of a breach, which, by the way, the Mechaber does not mention at all. Interestingly, not in Semen Eshmem, not in Semen Chavei, doesn't say those words at all. But Taka, if you look at how Achreim talk about it, it does look like that the tone is slightly more lenient about Jaleka Darka versus Darachazos because of the influence of the explicit words of the Ramah. Well, when I got married, so I uh, was in touch with the Chassidish Chassan teacher. It's not like I sat with him for many hours and days. Just for uh, a couple of hours, and most of it probably wasn't about halacha and minig. It was probably more pra- practical and technical. I don't have any specific memory as to whether he even discussed or addressed these issues, but uh, I certainly don't remember that he was uh, makel or mat or anything. At any rate, at the time he said, oh, "You want a safer? You want to? You want to have a question? You have something you want to clarify on these matters? So this is safer for kalatanavcha." Name of the sefer is based on a pasuk somewhere. Fakal Danovcha is a small seferal in the contemporary halacha format where you have the pnim organized by topic, and then you have the haaris with the elaboration. So he said that's the sefer, that's the go-to sefer. So at the time, I talk about a copy. It's also in Hebrew books. It's on Etzer Chachma. I think someone asked me something uh, subsequently related to these halachas. I suggested look, look at Fakal Danovcha. You'll see it's addressed. I believe, my impression is that this Sefer Taka represents the classic Chassidosh Haredi approach up until more recent developments where now we're hearing other voices, other ideas, other arguments. But this represents the traditional uh, approach. So if you look on the appropriate page, so you'll see when it comes to Shalaika Darka, he writes, Asr Lias Ragil. Shouldn't be uh, habitual. That's what he writes in the Pnim. Based on the way the Ramah wrote it. Ramah also wrote, and of course, the, the mocker is the Ramah. And then in the next ice, when it comes to Derech Azus, he just says, It's a Derech Azus. Doesn't, uh, doesn't loop the Ramah in. That's just. This is, this is the traditional way people have read these Paiskim uh, have read these Simanim and how they've processed the information unlike this argument that's being made and finally just a final point and argument on this point on this on this matter Lamarzagin let's say you you still disagree say no I read the Ramah, and I personally am fully convinced that the Ramah meant to say that everything is fine, and anyone who says otherwise must have misunderstood the Ramah. And from the moment we've clarified and rediscovered the true sheet of the Ramah, so who could disagree with the Ramah? So to that I would say, this is a shtickle, more of a theory, but I feel like sharing it, so... Enjoy. Um, 
to, to look at Shulchan Aruch and Machab and Ramah as always just being a Svardi uh, Ashkenazi dichotomy, binary. And so uh, if all else is equal and the Machabra says something and the Ramah says something, so just go with the Ramah because Ashkenaz, that's not the only line of division that we find in Shulchan Aruch. And there's, an, there's another division that we find, in my opinion, like I said, this is my, I'm, I'm stating it this way, and Bahaktim, that already a long time ago I saw, I was in a discussion, I saw a discussion, someone was asking, L'chayra, Chsidim, especially Chabad Chsidim, we learn Chsidus, it's part of the curriculum in Yeshiva, starting from a very young age, but everyone in yeshiva is of a young age. That's what one should be learning. That's what you need to do to be a good Jew. Everything else, that's not, that's not necessary. That's not uh, the point. But here and there, oh, the use of the word you can learn not to compare the two. And this is, is using language from the Rambam here. But these other Chachmas, whatever they may be, other intellectual pursuits, that's the Tiyo Bapardis. And even if you're going to pursue that, but you have to first establish that you filled your stomach with the real, the real food, the Basar Vayayin, Isser, Hatter, Dinim. So the Shach. Sifkat Nubav, commenting on the Ramah, says, Shar Chachmas, what are Shar Chachmas? Kegoyin, he mentions other things, and he says, Chachmas HaKabbalah V'chayetzeben. From the tone of the Ramah, it's understood that Kabbalah is excluded from Mikra Mishnah Gemara Paiskim, and Mutter Aser, and Isra V'hatr, and Dini HaMitzvah. So Chachmas HaKabbalah is also in this category. And then the Shach discusses a bit further, and he concludes, that Kabbalim and other Achreinim, they've all warned not to learn Chachmas HaKabbalah until after Shemilei Kreisim Meashat, which is the term you see a lot in these discussions. Some say to wait till 40, there's a, an age uh, limit. You also need Kedusha and Tara and Zizas and Nikias to start learning these things. And whoever tried earlier, most of those who tried earlier didn't end well. So this is the Shach, but it seems to be pretty much in line. He's, he's elaborating, he's articulating the Ramah, what the Ramah's position is. So the fact that we're learning other things, we're learning Pnimis uh, to a great in, a, in great amounts, uh, essentially parallel to the more traditional uh, Limudim in Yeshiva, Seemingly is at odds with often a psak din and shulchan aruch, the ramah and the shach. What's going on? So someone asked this question a number of years ago. Some people were trying to answer. If uh, the ramah and the shach didn't mean chesedus, they meant. Uh, I don't think that's. Uh, I don't think that's true to pshat and ramah and shach. So my suggestion was as follows: that's a bit of a historical view. We know in the last a thousand years. 
there are different schools of thought within Klal uh, Yisrael as to the importance of learning other inyanim beyond Gemara and Halacha. What the Raman and the Shach are calling Sha'ar HaChachmas. And particularly, there was this agreement applied to learning Kabbalah. So for the last 500 years or so, approximately from when the printing press was invented, because apparently that really had a very uh, powerful role in spreading Sifre Kabbalah and popularizing them. So we've had these disagreements specifically about Kabbalah. Those who were on the record in favor of promote, promoting spreading Kabbalah as much as possible, and those who take a different view. They prefer that it be limited to whatever extent. This is not just Egen uh, Elfidik Rebbe also, Sefer Zechreinus, presents this disagreement in the Fidik Rebbe's signet. So, with that in mind, I would say that the Ramah and the Shach essentially are, should be counted among those who belong to the group that say that less is better. We're not looking to spread Kabbalah as much as possible. That includes limits on the age. You know, we'll try to keep people away from it at least as long as we can until age 40. That type of language, that type of, uh, that type of statement is clearly coming from a desire to limit how much Kabbalah, how much Primus Atari is being learned. That is their shitta. That's the shitta that they subscribe to. But at the very, very same time, literally at the same time, there lived someone known as the Arizal. It's yard site now. Arizal wrote, Mitzvah, V'simcha, Legalis, Esachachma. The Alter Rebbe quotes it. So, Arizal is saying, and Arizal obviously was very young, and he had Talmudim that were young. The Ramak preceded Arizal, also started very young. Clearly, in these circles, there was no age limit and no... Uh, fundamental limitation. Obviously, it's always understood that someone who's learning it should be learning it appropriately with the right mindset and not the wrong mindset. But they belonged to a time and place where there was Hafatzas HaKabbalah and they were being Mephitz Kabbalah. The Ramak wrote the Pardis. That was itself was a powerful tool for spreading Kabbalah. The Kisri were spread by his Talmidim and were very, very powerful and very influential. Specifically, is Talmid Talmidov in Italy. That was the country uh, outside of Israel where Kabbalah Mamesh caught on under the influence of the Ramak and Arizal. And they were being Mephitz Kabbalah. That's where you see it. That's like an example of a place where you see they're being Mephitz Kabbalah. They're spreading it. And many were learning it from the youngest ages. So, that, so you have these two things happening at the same time. Now, Chassidus, the Chassidic movement, obviously places itself, views itself as being in a straight line from the Arizal. Mechaber himself, Rebbeis of Karo, also should seemingly be viewed generally as belonging. He lived, he was a contemporary of the Arizal, etc. It wasn't the Talmud Mamish, as we know, various stories, but belonged to the same general circles, involved in Kabbalah, etc., so Ebazoi, you come in asking Akasha, how could it be that we're doing this? What about the Ramah? We can take Fregan Akasha from the Ramah. Obviously, if you would have rewind in time, you would see the Ramah 
has this shitta, the Arizal has this shitta, and, and these matters were obviously, we obviously belong to the Arizal's base madrash. And if the Ramah came to us personally and said, well, you're not listening to me, we'd say, uh, sorry, the Arizal, we, uh, we're Tamidim the Arizal in these union. The point is that not everything divides along the lines of Svaradim and Ashkenazim, and sometimes there are other divisions. And that's, that's just a very uh, strong elaboration of the point, which the real point is, is that, like I said earlier, it's not like we're rediscovering the Shulchan Aruch now. There's context as to how Din of Shulchan Aruch get applied, Halach HaLemaisa. So in this particular matter, this seems more like a Ruchni sticker type of Shaila. Your perspective on Ruchni is the amount of, uh, the amount of influence that spirituality, mysticism, whatever words you want to use, inv- impact your Ashkafa and Yiddishkeit probably will have a very strong impact on how you would respond to this question, which is literally what we still see till today. As I touched on a bit last time, and I want to touch on, I guess, in a continuation. The more chassidish, the more influenced by Kabbalah chassidish you are, the more likely you are to go in one direction, and the less influenced you are, the more likely you are to go in the other direction. So it could very well be that in this matter, the Ramah is taka following the Rambam, because the Ramah identified more with that type of uh, outlook, more philosophical, less mystical. And the Mechaber was the opposite. We know the Mechaber was pretty anti-philosophical and, and certainly very mystical. So that would just be a... Uh, uh, another way of explaining why we might identify more with the Mechaber here versus the Ramah, even if you want to argue that the Ramah Taka disagrees with the Mechaber in every detail, which is not even uh, a premise that I accept. So, we have to pause here. I'll just uh, to give you a sense of what else I want to discuss. Um, so first of all, last time I presented, uh, I said there's a Chassid Shashita and there's a Misnag Shashita, and I used the words of Rabbi Isaac Sher specifically. So subsequently I've seen that it's not just Rabbi Isaac Sher. We have some of the big, big uh, names that uh, get a trigger warning before you mention them in a, in a Lubavitcher based matter. Some of those names are associated with this new line of thinking in the literature world. So that's one thing uh, I want to get to. Another thing I want to get to uh, on the contrary, we're discussing it as to like, what are we asking of people? What are we demanding of people? So it's interesting to point out that there's actually a very interesting letter from the Mashkiach and Yeshiva's Chachmi Lublin. We know that he was connected to Chabad. He had a very interesting person. I guess we'll we elaborate on it if we continue. So Shimla Zelachaver has a letter that's coming slightly more famous as the days and weeks go on, but it's still not very well known, where he essentially takes a more practical approach and says, okay, we need to be practical. What's, what's actually reasonable to expect from human beings? He also has an interesting Rebbe, I don't remember the exact, I think it was Moshe Yechil Ali Melech of Levertov, who also wrote interesting things. So this is uh, some material that I want to get to. Like I said, I want to get to the Rebbe, how the Rebbe, on, on the other hand, or the first hand, uh, spoke about Sheikh Hadash Atzma a number of times in public and tied it to the union of Chinuch, which is one of the powerful arguments when it comes to these matters to, as to why we can't just pick and choose what opinions uh, speak to us more personally because there's that uh, impact on one's children. So that's something that the Rebbe mentioned a number of times I want to get to. 
And then I want to get to a number of more interesting Makaitis Nasidis. Last time we spoke about some Makaitis and Chasidis about Shikadish Atzmai and all that. More negative, quote unquote, but there are actually a lot of interesting Makaitis Nasidis that provide a more positive uh, approach to Inyan Hazivag or even the fact that a person has to contend with these urges. That's not just a bad or a dirty thing, that there's more significance to that. So that's all what I'd like to cover, Mitzvah Hashem, in the following parts. Chavis. This is the share of the previous one you gave? Mm-hmm, yeah. Do I think there's things that are more on fire than there's their houses? Yeah. The context then was Hila Maila Bahula Mata. I was reacting to specific things. Uh, we'll try to crack.